not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, hey, Rick. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Point Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed. And as always, I'm joined by my colleagues, Steve Earle, CEO of Cheap Insurance, Adam Mitchell, a CEO of Mitchell and Whale, Jeff Roy, a CEO of Excalibur Insurance, and today we are pleased to be joined by Jeff Radke, CEO of Accelerant, a new entrant to the Canadian insurance market. First, I have to point out that Adam is not currently in his basement as usual. Adam's in San Diego, so everybody joined me in saying, "Boo, Adam! Screw you for being in San Diego." It's a virtual background, guys. <laughs> sure, that's a virtual drink too. Um, so, uh, Jeff, I'm gonna have to go with Jeff Radke because we have two Jeff R's in the show today. But Jeff Radke, do you want to just give us a quick background about yourself? Sure, thanks. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, so uh, started out as a reinsurance broker in New York with Guy Carpenter. Uh, transitioned uh, to the reinsurance industry, mainly in Bermuda, for you know, 15, 20 years. And then uh, moved to a company called Argo Group, um, sort of a middle-sized uh, insurance enterprise that had operations uh, sort of globally, uh, did a number of different roles for them. And then the latest uh, gig is uh, I'm the CEO of Accelerant Insurance Group, which was started in 2018 with five or six, uh, five or six incredibly valuable colleagues. And I understand you grew up not too far from the Canadian border. Uh, everything's relative. Uh, so I'm sitting to you, sitting, talking to you from Texas. I grew up in Wisconsin, which is a heck of a lot closer. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So um, if you want to know which direction to go from Windsor to get to Canada, I know that. Um, I know Hortons. I, yeah, the basic stuff. I know I know the basics. So wait, wait, wait. Let's go over those basics. Which direction do you go from Windsor to get to Canada? So <laughs> the question, Adam, is what were you doing in Windsor? Okay, I retract my question. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Hey, so uh, question. I, I Wisconsin, are you uh, big into the hockey? Uh, no, uh, I told you I was the fat kid that couldn't really skate. So uh, when you were the fat kid and you couldn't skate, uh, I was the goalie. Now, most goalies are incredibly talented athletes and a keen eye-hand coordination, like you, probably. But uh, I wasn't one of those. I uh, just filled up a pretty big percentage of the square inches of the goal. That was my job. As long as you play your angles and you're big, you don't have to be good, right? So. Right, right, exactly. Well, I, I've, I've played Jeff Roy in squash, and let me tell you, he, he did not have that eye-hand coordination you accused him of. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> Jeff... Um, Let's let's talk a bit about uh, about MGAs in Canada. So uh, 
you guys are not yet in Canada, but what, what do you know about the, the MGA market? First of all, I'm not sure that there's anything more offensive than uh, a new arrival telling everyone what they know about the place where they just arrived. Um, so I, I think I've, we've got some impressions that, uh, that the Canadian market um, has at its core uh, a group of MGAs that are important to the brokers, uh, especially on certain of the commercial lines of business. Um, and that's enough for us, uh, given Accelerant strategy, which we can get into in a second. Um, we're, we're enthusiastic about our entrance to the Canadian market. What we do, what we do, Tom, which maybe is a little different, is we try and back management teams. So uh, what we're going to do, we're in the process of doing it now, is uh, meeting uh, the various MGAs uh, in the market, finding out what needs they have that aren't being met, what pain points they have that aren't being addressed. Over the last three years, I've seen <clears throat> my MGA book grow by 40% on PIF just because of market conditions. And uh, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, well, commercial space, so it's bald, right? Um, and most of the MGA business is, is really commercial. We're talking about commercial today, right? So uh, by PIF, 40% growth over to the MGAs in around that space. And uh, with anywhere from two and a half to 5% redu reduction in commission, not as a percentage, I mean, from 20 down to just because of market conditions, right? And, and there's a ton of good risks in there that uh, shouldn't have gone, in my mind. Hey, my perspective is similar to Steve. It's it's They've caught a really good wave in this current really tough marketplace. And I think most brokerages would have seen their MGA business swell. And you know, we're, no, we're no exception to that. Um, yes, the commercial, certainly, but even the personal, um, it's their... They're major players now. You're seeing some of the MGAs jumping into the space, uh, looking after some of the easier stuff, like Keyup Cancer. You know, doing some simple quote binding issue policies through the BrokerLift platform. Uh, you've got, you know, Premier uh, has tried to make it a little bit simpler to get a quote through their portal. But you haven't seen a ton of the MGAs really tackle tech. Steve, is anyone you're using? No, for the most part, there are those that have set up phone and quote lines and all that, but it's it's all differentiated processes. And what I find with the MGAs a little bit too is that, I mean, I'm bigger than some of those MGAs. They're struggling with resources as much as I am insofar as people, um, you know, like there's billing, you know, there's MGAs I haven't got a report from in uh, four or five months. They're trying to catch up on their billing. Are the MGAs growing because they're doing something better than the, than the domestic carriers or are the MGAs growing with you because they'll take the business when the domestics won't? Exactly. Number two. Is there a difference? Like, like th their whole job to exist is to take risk, like no matter whether you're the manufacturer or wholesaler. Right. But if, if you could get it placed in the, in the regular market at full commission, you'd do it that way. Unless it's going to burn down tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The MGAs have, tech, you know, during the hard market have written stuff we couldn't get placed. And then some of the MGAs are specialized in an area like you see some MGAs really jumping into cyber right now. It feels like they're sort of a, a pioneer 
force in that market. We always talk about less friction, better customer experience, you know, those kinds of customer-oriented things. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're not winning on those metrics, right? They're winning on more defensive metrics. Capacity is a huge issue, technology, and then some of the coverages. Like you, they will write it, but is the wording what you want to actually offer to the client? Or are you scared about an E&O trying to explain all the exclusions to them? You know, you kind of have to use some of the MGAs at your own risk too. You have to be buyer beware because you may not do as much business with them. So there's a little bit of risk added in. The MGAs that we support, that we do business with, we call them members at Accelerant. What Accelerant does, it's reason for existence is to facilitate the success of MGAs in Canada, the United States, the UK, and the EU. So what we do is we pick a relatively small number of, uh, of MGAs. We back them to the hilt. So the relationships tend to be relatively large. And what we try to do is we try to be the kind of insurance company that solves the the pain points of most MGAs, and I'll be I'll, I'll be the first to admit that we're learning every day, and boy, do we have more to learn about Canada than anywhere else. So I, I'm going to be I'm going to be speaking gingerly and more referencing ground that I'm more sure of in the other territories where we're currently operating. But I guess what we saw, what we saw in those territories, is we saw the MGAs as being one of the few customer-centric organizations in the value chain after the retail broker. So you guys are killing yourselves trying to give uh, um, a great customer experience and, and quick turnaround and, and uh, you know, choice and, uh, you know, all those things that uh, I'm sure you, you think about and worry about all day. In most, in most territories, you hit the insurer and because of lots of reasons, regulation, uh, size, uh, history, tech debt, you know, technological debt, whatever the case may be, you, you sort of, I would imagine, you tell me, but you bang, in, bang into a brick wall. Based on whatever number of podcast episodes we've done and what I've heard these guys say in the past, yeah. And I should have started with um, a lot of my comments assume uh, that we're going to receive regulatory approval, and I, I would never be presumptuous uh, to 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 pretend or or imply that we're skipping that step. So when we had to pick a when we had to pick a distribution uh, method, we decided to go all in on MGAs because we thought that on average they were again I'll, I'll use the same joke less bad. Um, and what we try and do with our resources and with our experience is make. Um, our member, MG, member MGAs be better partners for you guys. Like for one thing I'd say, Steve, and I don't want to get our, our, uh, our future customers uh, in, in Canada mad at me, but I can assure you we don't, we don't pay less retail commission anywhere. I need to clarify though, what is it you do? You do it for an MGA or you do it for a broker? We provide uh, insurance capacity to MGAs. The MGAs uh, do business with you, uh, you, the retail broker. So you're a market agent for MGAs. We're the alternative to Lloyd's. Do you deal with Lloyd's as well? Yes, we must have a contractual relationship somewhere, but uh, it's not it's not significant. If I'm an MGA, you're my Ari from Entourage. 
for insurance companies. <laughs> you're you're going to market me. You're going to you're going to manage those relationships. You're going to right. I'm going to need help from the goalie. Jeff, do you understand anything that he's saying? He's he's turtle and he's getting mouthy. Here's what I here's what we do for the RMGAs. RMGAs, first of all, it's not like they they're laying around desperate for our help, right? Generally speaking, they're really successful businesses in their markets. And what can we do? Well, we can give them limits that they need to satisfy their customers, right? If if there's if every restaurant is three million kind of dumb to only give them a million in capacity, right? And then leave it to the retail broker to have to scramble and figure out what to do for the other two. So we try and give them the limits they need. We treat them like adults and give them responsibility and authority so they don't have to run to us with referrals all the time, which slows everything down. Generally speaking, the MGAs struggle operationally and and with technology. Steve, just exactly what you said you're experiencing. If members want, we're able to drop in uh, tech solutions for the back end, which um, I would say probably don't create a lot of positive stuff for you guys, the broker, um, but it removes negative stuff. So you don't wonder where the hell the account statement is for four or five months kind of thing, right? And uh, where we do provide or hope to provide um our member MGAs with some help uh, on the customer experience side is because we're a new company, because we're built on a modern tech stack, because we built the team differently. So we've got more uh, we've got more software engineers than we have underwriters. Um, we're reasonably good at helping our member MGAs get their products into a form, a digital form that the their retail brokers and their other distribution partners can access efficiently. What's the total sum of premium, if you can talk about it, of the cumulative members? We don't write all their business, but uh, if you add up all the members, I'll bet you it's a billion one, and that's probably euros, and we write about 700 of it. All of those members would be able to have digital applications. Any member can uh, access any of the services that we provide to members. Um, not all of them do, not all of them are interested. But it's available to them, a billion dollars of digital applications. All right, so third third question, again, ADHD unrelated, but um, do you have any retail brokers as, as members? Some retail brokers and wholesale brokers have decided to set up an MGA as a margin capture route. Um, which is fine, right? That, you know, that's what everyone's supposed to do. Uh, um, but they don't staff it or behave like it's an underwriting shop, a risk selection shop. And um, those we try to avoid because um, they, they, tend to, they tend to last about as long as a hard market or a medium market. Um, and then they kind of fall apart. Um, what, what we do support over the long term and enthusiastically are uh, retail brokers or wholesale brokers that because to in order to get more margin capture, they set up an MGA and and staff it with really underwriters that are told to underwrite. So you do not offer underwriting services whatsoever. It's it's market access. All of the direct underwriting is done by 
uh, an MGA. Your model then, uh, in terms of you set up this group and you help all these other MGAs, and uh, do you do you get a percent, like one percent or two percent of the seven hundred million euros that go through it? No, we, it, we're an insurance company, right? We're an insurance platform, but the important part of that platform is the all the services to attract the members and make them more successful. But ultimately, we're writing all this business. So we make our money on the insurance that the members write. So you're, you're placing the reinsurance then basically in a sense? like We do buy reinsurance. So when they get you in their stable of products, is it underwritten through your company? And then you've got the reinsurance behind it and show your name or do you white label the name? It says Excel, Accelerant Insurance Company Canada. If, uh, if the regulators approve that name, that's one of the things that's in front of them. And then your SME stuff that you kind of look at, like, do you have a certain thing within there? Like you don't, do you do everything for your members or do you focus on like hospitality, insure tech, habitational construction? There's nothing more annoying than an insurance company that tells someone who's been in the, for example, the Canadian market for 30 years, what they should do. What we do is we meet these people that have been in the Canadian market. They tell us what the opportunities are. Nobody, nobody just overnights to a billion dollars. So how, how did you guys get started and, and start adding value and figure this out? The kernel of the team all worked together at Argo. Um, we all left at various times in 2018. Um, and we had participated in this MGA space for a couple of years at Argo, uh, where we sort of came up with a strategy that was pretty close to what Accelerance is today. Argo writes at the time, probably two and a half billion dollars of business. Um, it's pretty global, even though it's not very big, it was pretty global. It had a Lloyd syndicate, it had a European insurance company, US insurance companies, and some other international stuff spread around, nothing in Canada. We, were, we had this, this MGA idea that Chris Lee Smith, my co-founder and I, uh, were pursuing. In 2018, we decided, look, this would be much easier. We'd be much more successful if we did this as a standalone company focused only on this with no tech debt. You know, we could start over, we could start over fresh. So uh, we were able to do two things that were really, really important. We were able to uh, convince Frank O'Neill to leave Swiss Re a perfectly good job at Swiss Re and come across and be our chief underwriting officer. Um, and the other thing we did is we were able to convince Altamont Capital Partners, um, a private equity fund uh, in California to be our financial sponsor. And then we were sort of off to the races. We started in December of 18. At the end of 18, I think we had four or five members and they were writing I'm guessing a little bit, but 150 million euros. Um, and then 2019 was a big year. Uh, we really expanded in the UK because the reputation that we were getting, and we work really, really hard to both deserve and preserve the reputation. We were able to grow rather nicely. So in 2019, I think we probably wrote oh, 350, maybe just under 400 million euros. Uh, and this year, um, we just continued the same thing in Europe, but we uh, launched in the U.S. during 2021, which is obviously a very big market. So uh, the team there has been successful, backed by 
uh, a great stable of members that we're really, really proud of. And when you add all that up, they all collectively probably write just over a billion euros. We write about 700. We're sitting at uh, 125 employees roughly now. How can an MGA using Accelerant add operational efficiencies or improve customer experience for the, for the retail broker like these guys? My sort of thesis is that operational efficiencies uh, is a fancy word for time because everything delays spawn everything, right? Or straight through processing is, is, the most, uh, is the most efficient thing that you can possibly get, right? So what, what kind of delays are the most expensive? The delays that involve people where people have to circle back or cycle back, right? So uh, I think I picked on Steve last time. So this time I'm gonna pick on Jeff. So if Jeff or someone who works for Jeff, right, has to pick up that file three times on the phone uh, till they understand what the quote is and can get that quote nailed down and get it uh, confirmed and then get the policy issued and get it fulfilled. Every time, every time someone's got to touch the phone or do anything, that's like prohibitively expensive. <laughs> um, and I think we don't think about it that way for whatever reason. I don't think the industry thinks about how expensive that is. <clears throat> so what we do is we try to give um, our member MGAs the, the mainly software tools that they need to be straight through processors. Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS aka nationwide brokerage solutions but like in today's world we use these initials like it's cool because it is and it's hip at nationwide brokerage solutions they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market that's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers no matter how unique they may be with a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cash certified. Well, that's a great point. And that actually, in my opinion, touches both operational effectiveness and customer experience because if your your employee is doing things once instead of three times and the whole start to finish cycle is shorter that benefits obviously that you know you have to pay the yeah you have to have less employees and the customer gets what they needed quickly uh two questions you've grown from nothing in 2018 to 700 million trillion euros no i think it was 700 million euros now how do you do that because you have to have capital at least in canada a company insurance company has to have capital to be able to grow otherwise you go into the reinsurance market so if you're the insurance company are you like you've where did the capital came from your investor you said in california and you've started to turn a profit but do you have 80 or 90 percent of this reinsured and then you have 10 or 20 percent you're assuming yourself like how do you build that capital capacity well we build uh, we've been fortunate enough to attract investors all the way along 
uh, to keep up to keep up with our growth. And as you said, Jeff, it's uh, reinsurance and capital are sort sort of um, complementary goods. I think if I remember at school, you know, one replaces the other. So um, we've grown both. We've been fortunate in uh, being able to grow both a lot during that time period. And obviously, the big concern of everyone is, boy, you're growing quickly. Are you growing too quickly? And what we really try and stress to people is, remember, we're not growing like a normal insurance company where you have to get your price down low enough to get the new to get that risk to move, right? We're moving blocks of business from established MGAs that have been doing this for 5, 10, 15 years. Okay, that, that kind of jumps into my second question was, you know, how do you vet, like obviously in your prior life at Argo and all your experience, you've got your eye on certain MGAs that you know run a good shop, have five or 10 years of history. They just didn't start up today saying, hey, I'm going to be an MGA and I've got no experience and I'm trying to throw a bunch of stuff on the books to build volume, but I can't underwrite, can't turn a profit. So you've picked some of the best ones to build off. Is that kind of how you vetted them? And do you have a certain, like, do you have a certain list of what you're looking for? It takes 10 seconds. Once you get nah, 10 minutes, once you get into their office uh, to know whether you're dealing with one or the other. So that's the first thing, underwriter led. Second thing is uh, they have to be focused on commercial business, not exclusively, but that has to be their preponderance. Um, third thing is we're not very good at solving the problems of MGAs that need really big limits. So refineries or satellites or the, that kind of big stuff. We're, we're, we're just not a good partner. Um, track record. Now here, Jeff, you have to be a little nuanced. The whole world, well, the whole insurance world loves to say you got to have a five or a 10 year track record uh, for us to support it. We try to be a little bit smarter than that in that people have track records, not companies, right? And people move around and I, we're quite happy to back people. Uh, we're also quite happy to back new ideas. When someone starts with a new idea, like many of our insure tech members are sort of an unproven idea, we're pretty cautious and we're very open that we're going to be cautious uh, until it sort of proves out in the beginning. So uh, it's, a it's a combination there, Jeff. And the other thing which is absolutely critically important and the reason, the only reason that uh, when offered membership, an MGA has declined. So far, three have said, no, thank you. And all for the same reason, which is we insist on total transparency of sharing of uh, information. There's no minimum volume or anything you're looking for. I remember we were in a bar, of course. All, all good things happen in a bar. And uh, I'll try and do it G-rated uh, so you can use it in the podcast. And one of us says, gee whiz, these rules that insurance companies have sure is sure are silly. And we said, yes, why don't we have no of those gosh darn rules? Uh, so we try not to have any rules because they're all silly. What we try to do is use our judgment and experience to evaluate each opportunity. And then, you know, could we survive if every member was $2 million, $2 million or 2 million euros? No, right? But they're not all that way, right? So we've got room to do some investments for people that we really believe in. So Jeff, can you hear me? Am I back? All right. So with that, uh, Canadian marketplace is a little bit different, but at the same time, I want to ask, would you entertain 
startup MGAs that had the right formula for you, whether they had the right data, whether they had the right uh, composition, and would you have minimum requirements? For sure. That's where the name came from. MGAs here, in my opinion, seem to be all the same. When I, when, when I look at, I've written a risk with this MGA versus that MGA, I see the same Lloyd syndicates, the same regular insurers who have pens. They're just modifying the rate a little bit. The, the risk selection is just a little bit off one from another, but they're all the same contracts. I mean, I looked at one the other day with a, a national MGA owned by a national multinational brokerage and it had Aviva and Sovereign and the same five Lloyd syndicates on it. Canada sounds like the case is pretty acute in your market, but generally speaking, there's, there isn't a lot of choice out there for MGAs in terms of their capacity providers. They sort of have to take the small number of options that they have. And that's why we thought there was such an opportunity slash need for an alternative. So uh, the, our accelerant members in Canada are going to send you a quote and it'll be the form that they told us they wanted to sell. And it'll be the rates that they convinced us are appropriate. And at the bottom, it's going to say Accelerant Insurance Company of Canada. Have you looked at vertically integrating where like buying an MGA yourself or would you ever look at buying a company in one of the a different insurance company that was smaller to get you in to a country? Would that be something you would consider as part of your strategy or not really? Sure. Again, subject to regulatory approval, it's public record that we're buying Omega. So you're trying to buy Omega. So Omega is an insurance company. So by you buying that company in Canada, that'll fast track or make it easier to regulatory operate in Canada? Yeah. So then we'll put we'll put additional capital into Omega and Omega will start uh, providing the capacity for our members that will discover in that will agree. You know, we'll meet and agree to contract with in Canada. So in Canada, you would theoretically have accelerant paper uh, as one company, but you'd also have Omega. You'd have both. If we're successful, Omega would be renamed to Accelerant Insurance Canada or some such name. One of the things that came up in some of our our, our due diligence in advance of the show here is your net. You guys track net promoter score. Yeah, you're you're a few steps removed from the end customer. Why are you tracking? NPS, how you doing it? Why is it important? Well, well the, to be clear, what we're measuring is uh, our members. So the, we ask the question, uh, there's sort of, you guys know it, there's three main questions, but they boil down to, would you recommend, uh, would you mind recommend Accelerant to, you know, a friend? Or, uh, um, and we're really, we're really, really proud of our score. It's 87. Um, and we keep an eye on it. We keep an eye on it because it's so important. And there's probably a nice way to say this, but um, I'll save everyone some time. Just insurance, the industry just does not give a shit, right? It's a grudge purchase and everyone knows it's a grudge purchase. If you had a choice, you wouldn't buy it. You don't have a choice. Give me your money. So we're scared to death of falling into that trap. Uh, So we do everything we can do to remind ourselves as a team that accelerant doesn't matter at all. It's all about our customers. And if our customers are smart, 
they, their business doesn't matter at all. It's all about their distribution. It's too bad. Too bad the industry's largely forgot that in some areas in Canada. Well, ironically, uh, so I've worked for a few large carriers you know, over my career, and uh, you know, if they did their NPS on their brokers, it's nowhere near 86. It might be 8.6, but it's nowhere near an 86. I have to say that we're, we're really proud of it. We work at it, and we work at it because we want to be worthy of the work that those MGAs do. And Steve, I really hope that in a year from now, or maybe two years from now, you'll be able to say that some of those MGAs you're doing business with in Canada, it turns out they were kind of eh. They were kind of eh because they didn't have a choice because their paper wouldn't give them a chance to be excellent. Well, there's, 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 two, there's, two, things, there's two things I want to cover off. And, and one is you talked about reaching into your customer's agency management or broker management system or whatever you want to call it to, to provide analytics down, uh -huh. downstream. What kind of analytics are you, are you doing? We're feeding back analytics from everything they capture. So our, some of our members capture, uh, you know, quote, submission, quote, bind all the way through. Um, and we'll provide uh, insights as to where they bind the most, where they don't, why, perhaps, uh, or at least you have to go explore why. Um, We'll uh, explore distribution relationships, which ones are the most productive and which ones aren't. Um, and then profitability, as well as uh, lost opp opportunities to grow where the rate where the rate levels are just too big. Can you get members between different countries uh, at that point? I don't think there's much insight to be gained there. Um, we could do it. We could technologically, we could do it. But comparing Norwegian motor to Spanish motor, to Canadian auto, doesn't make any, generally, doesn't make any sense. Be interesting if you get the insight of how your different underwriters and MGA people, how he's closing better, the response times to quote, if you cross like that, like that would be universal, I would think. Uh, you know, if you're in Norway or Spain or whatever, if you're getting bad people quick. Oh, sorry, that we do. Which country's kicking ass for service? The UK, from a technology standpoint, is way ahead of any of the other territories where we operate now. And uh, as a result, from a response time, the ones that choose to focus on that and use the, the, the software-based uh, tools to accelerate it, um, do so. They do really well. Insurance moves fairly slowly. Um, you know, I was talking to another insurer today. We were talking about what, 20, what we thought 2020 looked like back in 2010. And you know, what, does that, what does that inform us around 2030 and so on? Um, but so you, you've been moving quicker than many have and changing things faster than many have. So what do you think is going to happen in the next five years? What do you think is going to happen to insurance in general? And what do you think you guys will look like uh, five years down the road? In the small to medium-sized commercial business, I think there's going to be a platform in the territories that we're talking about where things are organized, well-regulated, the rule of law is dependable. I think you're going to see risks trade on a platform where the vast majority of the fulfillment and the plumbing are a shared resource like a utility. And it's really um, a little bit of underwriting expertise applied at the beginning um, and a lot of capital engineering at the end. And this notion of having six, seven, eight or nine insurance companies all having uh, duplicative claims departments, duplicative everything. Uh, it's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense, right? 
because uh, none, of, none of it matters. The special sauce of every company is risk selection, pricing, right? And then capitalization, nothing else, nothing else uh, is special. So that has to be mutualized. If we're gonna stop wasting 45 cents of your customers every dollar. I think I just heard the sound of every VP and SVP and insurance carriers of common uh, departments just crapping their pants. Depends how old they are. If you're over 55, it's fine. It'll be interesting. Like as I said, you know, to, to get companies to work together in a claim experience, wow, uh, that would be the first or to use an outsource. They've tried using outsource claims experience now. Some have gone, come back. You know, there's just that whole ecosystem for claims isn't built to connect everybody. Obviously, that's coming, Jeff, uh, you know, where everybody's going to be connected, all the vendors. You can get stuff done, pushing it through things faster, but it's not quite built out yet. So if you can build that and, you know, give choice of markets or choice of stuff, common claim stuff and get rid of the friction, you know, I'm sure you would sign us up tomorrow to use your service, right? We'll have to uh, set this uh, video to autoplay on all of our phones five years from now and see uh, see how far, uh, see how close uh, Radke was to the, uh, the actual truth. What I should have used for my parting words were, I hope to have a non-digital pint with each of you uh, after after we receive regulatory approval and and we can make it up because in all honesty, uh, we'd love the benefit of your insights. So uh, Jeff Radke, thank you very much for being on the show. On behalf of the crew here and especially our sponsors, IFS Premium Finance, uh, the crew group, Garrison Brewery, and our charity partner, WIC. Uh, I wanted to thank you very much for your time and, and interesting thoughts and uh, definitely a different thought process than what we typically go after, but I appreciate all the insight you've provided to us, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks uh, for having me. It was, uh, it was nice to e-meet you all. And like I said, I look forward to the non-digital pint in not too distant future. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. So what do you guys think? Like, uh, I, you know, Steve seems to want to uh, start up uh, an MGA here. I mean, I've wanted to do that forever. They're the only motherfuckers who like, their 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 response is shit. Their 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 underwriting is ass. Like and and they make out like, hey, every time there's a hard market when things get tough, they make good dough. Oh yeah, fifty cent rate, whatever. Blah. Used to be five cent, Mike. Everything was five cent, right? You know, I'm I'm struggling with going through this. You know, I'm begging my markets to say, look it. MGA has accounted for this much of my business five years ago. Now it's this much. But within that, and I agree, some of it, and that's why I made that comment, yeah, if it's going to burn tomorrow, that's where I put it. But there's a 50% of that stuff I have with MGAs, I would gladly put back with regular market at the right rate. The rest of it can fucking stay there because it should be there because that's the stuff... They don't give me loss ratios. They don't give me CPC. They give me depressed commissions. You know what? If it's going to burn, that's a fucking market I'll put it with. The good stuff, I'll put with my own MGA. I'll get the overrides. I'll get 27.5% commission. 
I'll cream out my own MGA book in five minutes. And I got, you know, and you put five brokers together, all of a sudden you got a $20 million MGA that's really doing stuff. Now, you may use your lose your regular MGA markets a little bit because they know you're selecting against them. But, you know, I look at Totten and, you know, Aviva's on everything. Why? Because Hub makes them. Bottom line is uh, you're going you're gonna to start an MGA, um, work with Accelerant. I'll do, it, I'll do it tomorrow if Adam gives me 10 times on cheap. <laughs> Ten times premium. Well, I guess we won't be starting a new MGA tomorrow anyway. Adam, Jeff, what, what was your takeaways? It's amazing to see this marketplace evolving for such a, a generally old capital market um, throughout North America. And, and to see more American competitors coming up here. And, and it's not quite insure tech, but they're taking technology and analytics and empowering already established underwriters. I'm going to argue it actually might be more sophisticated than an insure tech because the the tech part is just part of their offering. It's not tech. It's not the end game. It's not here's a flashier lead gen. Here's a flashier whatever. It's here's how we do the business that we're all in better because we have this you know this better underpinning. They actually want to help us. They want to reduce friction. They want to let people want to get out of people's way and they want to enable people, empower them to do a good job. Like hence why they have a net promoter score of 86 or 87, depending on what part of the podcast you listen to. So I, I thought, I, I thought it was super refreshing. And uh, you know, the fact that, you know, the, the market they're into is, you know, he, he's identified $276 billion to 300 billion. He's got a billion of it in three years. He's got funding has been successful. You know, it's uh, you know, it continues to be able to fund it and enable people. It's great. Like it seems that he's found a, a really cool place to play. And uh, you know, it's got me interested in what that would look like in Canada. Right. We well, got to love a business model where it's set up that, you know, if my members, slash customers win, we win. I remember uh, in a previous episode, Jeff was talking about partners versus stakeholders. I mean, that's the true definition of partnership. Three of the members didn't want to go ahead because they wouldn't share their data. They felt they had secret sauce and they were worried about that. And, you know, by holding that back, they missed out on a lot of benefits. So data aside, let's look at the MGAs we go to right now. Most of the MGA business I place is with competitors, right? Like Westland owns Agile. Hub owns Totten. Uh, who else am I? But like, what are my top three? They're all, they're all owned by my competitors, right? And, and they're, they're, scra they're scraping me. They built a business proposition. They, they found a spot in the market and they're competing, right? So it'll be interesting. It sounds like there's a good opportunity for some disruption. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes and uh, wish Jeff and his team the best of luck. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. CAS certified.